never a good sign when you're shaking hands with the man who just sang, and as you're walking up to the pulpit, you feel a sneeze coming on, <laughs> knowing that it's being, uh, well, Bob Vanderswag told me this morning that they watched in Africa, uh, they watched us live until they lost power the last five minutes of the service. So um, it's kind of cool that we have this. Uh, I want to greet those that are joining us via the live stream, and I want to say hi to those in Breakwater. Uh, by the time you hear this, I might be sitting in there with you, but nevertheless, we're glad you're with us. We're very glad that uh, those of you who are joining us via live stream that you're able to do this. If you're a member of this church or a regular attender and you're just away from here and choosing to worship with us, that's awesome. If, however, you have never been here and you're trying to check us out um, online, we, we love the fact that we have the technology to do that and we would love for you we would love for you to get to know us and for us to get to know you in person. So you're welcome here anytime. It's really not an intimidating group. Um, I'm a little scary, but the rest of these folks are wonderful. Uh, let me offer a prayer. We'll get started on sola scriptura, and I'll explain what that is in just a second. Almighty God, we bless you, we praise you, and thank you for who you are, for everything that you do for us, in us, and through us. And Lord, we thank you for the gift of the revealed scripture that we have such easy access to. Lord, as we commemorate and remember this week and next the Reformation that got its start 500 years ago, we ask that, that you remind us of how important it is to love your word, to understand the faith that you give us, to give glory to you alone, Lord, there are so many things that, that are regular, they're so common to us now uh, that we can become accustomed to them. But 500 years ago, people had almost no access to any of those things. So Lord, as, we, as I talk on your behalf today, I ask that you give me the words to say, the demeanor to say them, and the, and the, even the cadence to communicate. And Lord, I ask that you give all of us eyes to see and ears to hear that which you want us to see and hear. And I don't want to say anything you don't want me to say, so if there's something I planned that's not of you, I don't want to just wipe it from my memory, convict me of it later. But Lord, if there's something more that you want said that didn't come up in prayer and preparation, then make it clear to me and I will speak your word to your people today. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of the Spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Um, 500 years ago, next week, Martin Luther, who was a priest, he nailed what we hear as 95 theses, T-H-E-S-E-S, to the, the, the door of the Wittenberg Church, Castle Church of Wittenberg. And this was the title. So we're, we're going to go with something a lot better. 95 theses is easy to say. The title was The Disputations of Martin Luther on the Power and Efficacy of the Indulgences. So what's an indulgence? Um, this started, he, his desire was to bring the church back to the things that matter most and not to be caught up in, in all these other things that the church had kind of spun off on. And some of the things that we've been talking about in the book of Colossians were actually true of the church 500 years ago. Remember when we talked about syncretism, where they would take pieces of other religions and they would kind of merge them together? Uh, that was going on in the church in Europe 500 years ago. Uh, what we found out is that, that through church history that the people of God 
Christians, new converts, were allowed to hold on to old pieces of their faith. So if they had a goddess that they worshipped, they could continue to worship her as long as they called her Mary. Now, that's not, that's not Mary, Mary. That's, but so it got, it got a little, it got strange, and it got kind of dark. Um, the indulgences were basically, there's lots of other ways that they were used, but basically this. The church at the time believed in what's known as purgatory. Now, I don't know if they believed in purgatory or if they kind of invented purgatory. Purgatory is the place that if you have unconfessed and unforgiven sins in this life, before you go to heaven, you pay for your sins in this intermediate place called purgatory. And I think some of the accusations are that they invented purgatory as a good fundraiser. So you could, if you went to your priest or you went to your bishop or you are, and then the cardinal, and even to the pope, you could pay money, you could make an offering to the church, buy a mass, which is a worship service, and free your, your, your loved one soul from purgatory. So it, it ended up being not so much the preaching of the scriptures, but people would preach half the time on something from the word of God, which was in Latin at the time, and half the time on how you might get your loved ones out of purgatory or how you might ensure that you don't end up in purgatory by offering a bunch of money. So that's, I read the treatise or the theses, those 20 or 95 theses, those disputations of Martin Luther on the power and efficacy of the indulgences. I read those this week. Um, and most of them are things that we've never even they're not part of our vernacular. They're not part of our regular ongoing um, talk. Now, if, if that was all that the Reformation was, then there wasn't a need for a huge movement. There was a need for a, for a Vatican Council to come together and decide whether these things were efficacious, if they were effective or not. Um, but what happened is when, when Martin Luther did this, it was such a shock to the system of the church that someone would have the, the audacity to challenge the Pope and the, and the beliefs of the, of the church that it ended up, he, was on, he went to trial, they kicked him out, and this whole movement, the Reformation, kicked in. Now, some of the stuff that was going on back then were, I mean, I talked to some, but they were, if, if the Pope said something, it was considered to be as if it came from the mouth of Jesus alone, or, specifically. So it was, it was infallible. If the church had a tradition of something, that tradition was on the same par, the same authority as scripture. Priests were the only one that had the scriptures, and many of those churches and those priests only had bits and pieces of the Bible. In fact, the Bible wasn't, the, the people talked about how awful it would be if the Bible were actually printed and made available to all people. And they certainly didn't want to see the Bible translated from Latin, which they, seen, which they saw kind of as a holy and academic language, into the common language of the people, English or German or Swedish. There was also the belief that the sacraments, which the, the church at that time and still the Catholic Church today has seven, um, that the sacraments were actually, they weren't symbols, they were actually efficacious. So if your child was baptized, that child was no longer guilty of original sin. If you, every time you went to confession, your slate was clean all over again. You, so that idea of, of we have this, this, this permeating piece of, of, of sinful practice sinful behavior, everything is tainted because we're a fallen people, um, that, was, that was gone. Uh, I talked about the syncretism a little bit. The, the, there, was a, there was a willingness to say to people, 
Whatever you want, as long as you're in the church, whatever you want to believe is okay, just put these new names on it. And then finally, if, if, if the church stated something that wasn't in Scripture, it was considered to be on par with Scripture. So it's called a, a, a doctrinal statement. Now, we have some of those things. We have creeds and confessions, right? The Heidelberg Catechism, the Apostles' Creed, the Athanasian Creed, the Nicene, or some would say the Niceno-Constantinopolitan Creed. I know, a lot of big words. But we don't say that those things are on par with Scripture. We see them as coming from the Scripture. It's a way of stating an overall view of what the Bible says. So that's some of the stuff that was going on. Now, out of the Reformation, if we only had these 95 theses, then, then we really don't have, it's just kind of weird and boring. But because of Martin Luther was kicked out, because this, this, this new thing started to emerge, they had to come up with what is it that they stand for. They don't want to just be not part of the Roman Catholic Church. And by the way, so many of those things that Martin Luther was protesting and that the Reformation was reforming from, have been addressed in the Second Vatican Council in the 1960s. So, so much of what they were upset about, it's okay now. But these are kind of the things that the Reformation said, we've got to stand on these things alone. And alone, the word alone there is sola. So here they are, five of them. Sola Scriptura, sola fide, sola gratia, or gratia, sola Christus, Christos, and sola Deo Gloria. So that is scripture alone, faith alone, grace alone, Christ alone, and for the glory, only glory to God. So alone be glory to God. Now today, the, today we're going to talk about sola scriptura. Next week, Andrew is going to be talking about sola Deo Gloria. Now we're not going to go through all five solas. We have done a series on that uh, in 2014. Uh, all five of them, we called it foundations. You can go back online and find those if you want to see them. Uh, but want to I want to just concentrate today on Scripture alone. Now, I'm biased as a pastor, as a minister of word and sacrament in the Reformed Church in America. I have, and remember what we talked about, devoted, with the word devoted, to be ruined for any other, anything other than the stated purpose. I have, by the call of God and the affirmation of God's people, devoted myself, myself to the study of Scripture. So I am quite literally ruined for anything else. There's nothing else I'm qualified to do. If you let me go after this message, I have nothing that maybe I could be the key cutter at Lowe's. Maybe. But there's a machine that does that now. But wouldn't that be a great job? I mean, honestly, someone comes in, they give you a key, and they say, I need a copy of this. And you, you look at it, put it in there. It does all the stuff. And then you, you, you take it and you go, that'll be $1.39. And hey, if you get home and you check that in your door and it doesn't work, Come back, I'll make you another one. I mean, there's just no stress in that at all, is there? I have fantasies. <laughs> I have devoted myself to this, and I find as I'm 51 years old, and the more I study it, the more I read it, the more I hear others preach it, the more I preach it myself, the more impressed I am with the how broad, how deep, how unbelievably relevant, how, how meaningful the scriptures are, and how much they work and go together. So it is the only rule in life and in faith for Christians. So let's, let's listen to a few scriptures that talk specifically about scriptures. 
Now, the one that we all know so well and that we've heard and that you grew up uh, learning in Sunday school and that you've heard sermons on is from 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 10, and it's, it's the last one, it's uh, 16, but we'll read it like this. It says, you, however, know all about my teaching. This is Paul talking to his disciple or his mentee, Timothy. You, however, know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, and persecution, sufferings. What kind of things happened to me in Antioch and Iconium and Lystra? The persecutions I endured. Now, sometimes we hear this next line, yet I was rescued from all of them. Yeah, he, he didn't end up dying as a result of them, but he still suffered persecution, weakness, sickness, all those things. Yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil men and imposters will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, talking to Timothy, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it. And how, you, and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. And then here's the, here's the kicker. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. Now, that's an interesting, God breathed is an interesting translation. And, you know, it, it, some people think revelation, which is God giving, him, giving us things to know. So God showing us what he wants us to know. That's what revelation, not the book of revelation, but that's what revelation means. Scripture is the revealed word of God. Now, is there more that God has for us? That's why, why Jesus came. There were some things that we, we needed to see, we needed to hear, we needed to experience. We needed to know that the God of the universe identifies with us in our weakness and is willing to become one of us to sacrifice greatly so we don't have to spend eternity either in purgatory or in hell. God breathed. This is revealed by the Holy Spirit of God. The word breathe is the same word used for spirit, pneuma. It's what we get the word pneumonia from. Um, when your breath gets messed up, your ability to breathe gets messed up. When your lungs are clogged, you have pneumonia. So God given through his spirit, but it's, it, it's him that gave it. It's not what man took and wrote down. Now, God did allow, and which I think is very gracious of God, the personality of the authors to make it into the scripture. I mean, you can tell by reading something from Paul, whether it came from Paul, and how different it is than things that came from John, or that came from Mark, or even things attributed to Peter. It's very different because just like me preaching and Nate preaching and Greg preaching and Kurt and Andrew and, and Patrick and Doug, we all are communicating the same thing. And it's the word of God spoken, proclaimed, but the style, the cadence, the voice, the tenor, the timber, the tone, it's all different. So you get to hear and see Greg's personality, and you get to hear what he believes is most important in the Scripture that day. Same thing you get to hear from me. But are we preaching the Word of God? We are. Are we telling you the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, as long as we have the 25 minutes to do it? We are. 
So God breathed is it comes from the very spirit of God. And anything added to that, anything taken away from that, or any time we look at the scriptures and we go, well, I don't, I don't, I don't like it. There's some things in scriptures I don't like. Here's one of them. I believe it's in the gospel of Luke. It may be in Matthew, but Jesus is talking and he says, and he's talking, it's a parable, but he, he's speaking it. And he says, any servant who knows his master's will and does not do it will be beaten with many blows. I don't like that. But what does it tell me that Jesus is saying? It tells me that Jesus is saying, I'm not kidding. I'm not messing around. This is of absolute importance to all of us. It was 500 years ago because the people didn't know what the scriptures were. They only knew what their priest told them the scripture said. And even the priests didn't always know. They were the only ones that could read, but they didn't always know all the full witness of scripture. But we today have this, this, we have the internet. I have the Bible in four different versions on my phone. I have this that was given to me in 1989 for my birthday from my wife, and it has been recovered three times. It is marked up. There's so much tape on those pages that have been torn. There's crumbs in between. It's just awful. But it does communicate something, that this thing, this revealed word of God that happens to be on ink in pages is important. It's not just important to the church. It's important to me. And is it important to you? All scripture is God-breathed and is useful, dot, dot, dot. Many of you have grown up in the church, just as Timothy. Timothy grew up from infancy knowing the scriptures. Many of you, not all of you, but many of you have grown up knowing the word of God from the time that you were baptized to the time that you were in Sunday school to the time that you were in youth ministries to the time that you made your profession of faith to, the, to now. I'm going to use a big word because we use it in, when we test the theological students as seniors in, 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 in this room, uh, people coming into the ministry. Scripture is perspicacious. We always ask them, do you believe in the perspicuity of Scripture? You know what that word perspicuity means? Simple. Why would you use a complicated word to communicate something simple? Do you believe in the perspicuity? We just try to make ourselves sound smarter, I think. But the scriptures are simple and useful, and they came from God. So because they came from God, a four-year-old can understand them. And because they came from God, a 51-year-old pastor who's devoted himself to the, to, to the study of this still sees the mystery in it. And because they came from God, you can know everything that God wants you to know and still realize that you don't know anything because God is immutable. God is in. God is everywhere. All the, he, he's holy other. But that holy other God wants for you and wants for me to know what he wants us to know. And he wants us to, 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 to know it so well that when we see things outside, when we see people trying to syncretize, trying to take little beliefs from elsewhere and, and, and merge them in, that we, we can realize that Jesus plus anything is nothing. And... Jesus minus anything is nothing. But Jesus is everything. 
Think about it this way. You've heard this said from the scriptures. Jesus is saying, you know the way to the place that I'm going. This is right before he's, he's going to go on for crucifixion. And his disciples go, we, we, we don't, where are you going? We don't, we don't know where you're going. And we don't know the way to, to where you're going. Tell us. And he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way. Now, we like to think of that. that so Jesus is saying he's a road. He says he's a door. Is he actually a door? Or is he the way to come into something? If Jesus is the way, he is the end. It's not about the journey. It's about being on, walking with, and being along Jesus. He is everything. How do we know? Because the scriptures God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, admonishing, instructing, and training. Now, here's the piece that's going to, might feel like it's guilt, and that's not my intention. It's just meant to be an exhorting, an exhortation, which is a, a, not a conviction, but it's a, it's an encouragement with a little of this in it. Are you devoted to the scriptures? Do you know what they say? They are perspicacious. They're simple. Any one of us can read Scripture and know what God is saying through it. Are they important to you? Can you, can you quote passages of Scripture like Pastor Greg? Whole chapters. That man is devoted, ruined for everything else. And he had a great career doing something else. He made lots of, bo lots of money, lots of buco bucks. And now he works for you. <laughs> Why would anyone do that? Because it's the only rule in life and in faith. It's the only way we find out about salvation. It is the only rule. It is God-breathed. So when you and I, when we struggle, I met with a friend yesterday who had a terrible thing happen to him two and a half years ago, and this week just lost his job. And he looked at me and my friend Chris Peters, and he said, guys, deep theological question. Why do these things keep happening to me? And Chris and I both answered in the same, we didn't plan it, but we both said at the same time, why not you? I know that sounds terribly non-pastoral, but it was of great comfort to our friend. It's not that he's being punished. It's that anyone who follows Christ will suffer some persecution. There will be trouble. There will be difficulty. And the beauty of it is that because we know from Romans 8, 28, in all things, God works together for the good for those who trust in Christ Jesus and are called according to his purpose. Even though this feels awful to him right now, we know that God is God and we are not. We know it through the scriptures and we know that somehow, some way, our friend is going to look back six months from now, a year from now, two years from now, and go, oh, now I know why. Even though it was painful, even though it might have even been harmful, there's something that will come out of it because God 
tells us that he is always at work and that he will continue the good work that he's begun in you. I know this seems a little bit like this, but I'm trying to communicate to you that the scriptures tell us what God wants. The scripture, scriptures tell us God's plan. The scriptures tell us God loves us. The scriptures are the greatest love letter ever written. And they're written to you from the one who is above all others. The one who spoke creation by just saying, be. He spoke to you this morning and said, awaken. Because we know from Colossians that all things are sustained by, through, and for Christ. And that his word goes out. And if his word goes out, it accomplishes that which is sent. Isaiah 55. But here's what we do. As humans, we want to we try to figure out what's the least we can do and still get in. What's the, what, what are the, give me the rules, and if I just stay in the boundaries, I might step on the edge a little bit, but if I just stay in the boundaries, what, what, how do I get in? How do I, I bypass this purgatory thing that I don't, I don't believe is scriptural at all, um, but how do, I, how do I get in and not have to be devoted? And so we, we hear little bits of wisdom over here, we hear little bits of wisdom over there, and we, we try to make those line up with scripture instead of first knowing the scripture and seeing if that other wisdom is biblical. We try to make other non-biblical things biblical instead of the other way. Here's one. Gene Hackman and the Poseidon Adventure. Remember this movie, some of you? Those of you in the other room never heard of it, I know. <laughs> he, he was a priest when this ship is sinking. And they say, is God going to help us? And he says, God helps those who help themselves. not here. But if you don't know this, you take that as truth. Scripture says in 1 Corinthians chapter, uh, chapter 4, verses 6 and 7, it says this. Now, brothers, I've applied these things. This is Paul again talking. I've applied these things to myself and to Apollos for, the benefit, or for, for your benefit so that you may learn from us the meaning of this saying. Do not go beyond what is written then you will not take pride in one man over another, one teacher, one preacher, and that kind of thing. For who, makes, for who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you did, not, if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? I mean, some people get all caught up and look at the gifts that God has given me, and then they say, well, look at me. Look at how great I am. He just said, Scripture tells you. Don't go beyond that. I'm not saying it's not good to read other authors. I'm not, I'm not saying it's not good to read good literature. I'm not saying it's not good to, to, to know what's going on in our world. But folks, if we first know the scriptures, then the commodity of anxiety and fear that's traded on the open airways will not produce in us the fruit that is intended. Anxiety is not of God. Fear is not of God. Have no anxiety about anything, but in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your request be known to God, and the truth or the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Fear. We've not been given a spirit of fear, but a power of love and a sound mind. How do I know those things? 
Sola Scriptura. Scripture alone. It is the only rule for our lives and our faith. Do you cherish it? Do you consume it? Do you love it? Do you crave it? Do you hunger and thirst for it? If not, something simple. Confess that to God. Repent of it. Ask God to forgive you. And then ask him to put in you a desire to read more of his love letter to you. And then take little bits. Start in Mark. It's the shortest gospel. It's easy. Start in Mark and read until you have a wow moment. Either, wow, or wow. Till you're either enlightened or convicted. And then stop. Pray. God, this one stung. Show me in me what needs to change. And he'll tell you. And if it was a wow, stop. Pray to God and say, God, thank you that you showed me something about you that I did not already know or something that I'd forgotten. Renew in me a right spirit. See, we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. What's going to renew our minds? The only rule in life and faith. Sola Scriptura. Now I pray and hope, and it has been my intention all week, that you be encouraged to go back to your roots. If, however, you hear this message, you go, I don't come to church to be preached to. Yeah, you do. Yeah, you do. The scripture that God has revealed tells us that the scripture is revealed by God. And he tells us that they're for us. And the church a long time ago lost that. And it was reclaimed. And then the church lost it again. And it was reclaimed. And then the church lost it again. And it was reclaimed. And in our culture today, especially in Christian culture, we're losing this. God's going to reclaim it again. And we need not fear. As far as it depends on you, though, don't let anyone snatch it out of your hand, your heart, your mind, or your soul. Own it. Chew it. Make sure that there are crumbs all over the place in the midst of your Bible. It would be great to see someone walking into church with their Bible and there's toilet paper as a bookmark. It should be on our minds, in our hearts, part of our It's lovely, it's effective, and it's God's word. If we don't see that as important, then why are we here? I hope there's a little conviction in that and a lot of encouragement in that. Let's pray together.
just as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth, making it bud and flourish, so is your word, Lord, that goes out from your mouth. It will not return void. It will accomplish that which you've sent it to do. Lord, I pray only that that's true of this message today, that your word went out and your people will be affected by your conviction and your encouragement. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, through the power of your spirit, for the glory of God our Father. Amen.